everyone. Welcome back to the Fantasy Pros Football Podcast. We're going to be taking an in-depth look today at the first two rounds with guest Joe Dolan of FantasyGuru.com. He's consistently been one of our most accurate experts in our expert accuracy competition, including a number one finish in pre-draft rankings for 2016. You can find him on Twitter at FG underscore Dolan. I'm Bobby Sylvester with co-host Mike Tagliere, and you can find us at Bobby Fantasy Pro and at Mike Tagliere NFL. Joe, how was your weekend? I'm doing all right, guys. I, I, I played some golf. I uh, For the first time ever, I'm a beginner. Um, I got my first birdie this weekend. Nice. So I, was, nice. I was very excited about that. I didn't even – I got a birdie after not finding the fairway with my tee shot. So I'm pretty excited about that. It's it's those things that keep you going in golf, not the way I started. So I got the birdie <laughs> – not, not, not to bore people with my golf game, but I got the birdie on the fourth hole. And I opened, though, with triple, triple, triple. So, oh. <laughs> oh man, so, so you're like ready to walk away. So I'm ready. I'm ready to like, like I'm like, I'm like four putting holes, and then all of a sudden, I I hit a, I hit a tee shot into a fairway bunker, then put it within 20 feet on my second shot, and I drained the putt. So I was nice. I was very excited about that. It's those things that keep you going when you're uh, beginning a next to impossible sport like golf. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm thinking about picking up golf this summer as well, and it's really intimidating. It is. It's weird. I hadn't played golf until I think I was like 28 years old. My brother he always played, and he's like, "Why aren't you going out and playing?" And I started playing it. And I'm the type where it's like, if I do something, I want to do it right. So I went out and I bought ping golf clubs. I was golfing like twice a week after, as soon as I got off work, I'd go there on the weekend. We were playing 18 holes and it's like, I got really good. I went from like a 120 something down to my, I think my best score over the last couple of years has been like a, an 88. So, I mean, I got better, but my weekend was not quite as exciting as that, Joe. Mine was um, my the highlight of my weekend was actually we've been in our house now for about three months of and we're going through these like, you know, the the boxes that have kind of been put off to the side. We didn't know what to do with them. And I found someone at one point gave me a gift because they know I love 80s music so much. They gave me a Rolling Stone 80s video rock CD. And I uh, I opened wow. it up and it's got some hits on there, like out of touch, take on me. Like it was a good time for me. I mean, I'm I was uh, I was jamming around the house to that this weekend, but that was basically the highlight of mine it wasn't a birdie in golf or anything like that that's pretty good but i'm glad you had guys had a good weekend that's all important this time of year my you, weekend was the probably the worst of all you guys i went to two weddings and i was holding out so much hope that i was going to get prime rib because you know you get prime rib at like one out of ten weddings and i figured two of them like i've got a real shot at eating prime rib this weekend didn't happen so i was a little Aww. disappointed but i did get to see my uh my little guys dance i've got a one-year-old and three-year-old boy and they were boogieing at the wedding so that was pretty awesome fun fact when i was uh when the nfl draft was on that weekend uh there was a wedding that i skipped to cover the nfl draft for fantasy pros so I, they actually had filet mignon at that wedding and uh, i passed that up to cover the nfl draft which i find more entertaining than a piece of steak in front of me you blew it you blew it man <laughs> <laughs> Some <laughs> might say that. Some might say that. So we drew the name of the signed Le'Veon Bell jersey giveaway that we got from the sponsor of today's show, pristineauction.com. And the winner is... Tags, do you think you won? No, I didn't win. I know I didn't win. I, did, I didn't submit an <laughs> entry. Like, I've left a review, obviously, for the show before, but I, I did not enter. I wanted one of our listeners to win that one. Yeah, so Andrew won. Uh, and he's been notified by email, so we're going to send that jersey out to him. Thank you so much for everyone who entered and gave the reviews. Uh, I just couldn't believe it when I was reading through all these things. The listeners on this show are great. And for you guys to come through with over 130 reviews in two weeks, 
That's just phenomenal. And we're going to be doing another jersey giveaway because you guys did such a great job. We're doing a, a T.Y. Hilton signed blue jersey giveaway. And so you guys can continue to enter, review us on iTunes, subscribe, uh, take a screenshot and send it to us at contest at fantasypros.com. That's going to be the next giveaway. So Tags, you want to tell them more about Pristine Auction? Yeah, guys, pristineauction.com is a place where you can go for football memorabilia. You can actually go there for other sports as well, but football is obviously the primary reason you're here listening to this show. Uh, that's pristineauction.com, P-R-I-S-T-I-N-E, auction.com. They have daily auctions with hundreds of items up for grabs. With that being said, they have something for every single team, including helmets. Um, and as I've mentioned countless times in the show that, you know, I've collected them. And it's funny because my my wedding anniversary was this past week, and it was 11 years uh, with my wife and I. So so she actually told me for the gift, she's going to give me a certain amount of money to spend on pristineauction.com because I've been eyeing these helmets. One of them was Amari Cooper, and I know Bobby loves that. Another one was Aaron Rodgers. Now, Aaron Rodgers was up there a little bit, and so that's where she's like, if you want to do that, you go ahead, or you can get two of a, uh, like a different helmet. So I'm looking into these. I'm trying to figure out which one I'm going to bid on. And guys, you'd only pay when you win. So you don't pay to bid anything. Uh, you know, It's just like any other bidding thing where you go on there, you bid for an item. If you win it, great. You have to pay within a set amount of time. It's a perfect Father's Day gift. All we ask that you guys do, when you go to the website, they're going to ask you how you heard about them. Let them know that Fantasy Pros sent you, and then we're going to be able to do giveaways like we're doing. As Bobby mentioned, uh, we just gave away the Le'Veon Bell jersey, uh, but we're doing a T.Y. Hilton one this time, and it's a it's a Colts jersey. It's a, it's a neat jersey. So I'm really excited to see the, the reviews keep coming through, guys. Thank you so much for the support. ProceedingAuction.com. Go check them out. And uh, hopefully we can keep doing giveaways even after this T.Y. Hilton one. Absolutely. I'll tell you what, Tags, if I had that for my uh, wedding anniversary, I would just go out and get two Keenan Allen signed helmets, two of them. Bobby, I wrote an article on Keenan Allen this morning, and it just That's went why up. I said I, it. Well, I'm I just messing I didn't with write you. it this morning, but no, but I, want, I really want you guys to check that out. And if you're listening right now and you haven't read it, check it out because Keenan Allen is a guy that we're not going to talk about on the show today because he's not being drafted inside the top two rounds, but Keenan Allen is a guy that should be falling down draft boards right now, and uh, I wrote about why. Check it out. I read it, and I, I still disagree, so don't do it. Don't listen to tags. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Joe. So, you know, we've all got our guys. Every year we go into the drafts, and there's like three guys that we want to get in every single league. Uh, last year for me, it was Dante Moncrief. Until his ADP got way too high, then I was off on him. But this year, I love Mike Gillisley and Kevin White. Now, those two guys might change by the end of the season, but I'm wondering who your guys are this year before we get into the first two rounds. Well, I, I'm the, it, it, this is simple to me. A guy who... I have now I've I'm done three MFL tens thus far. I'm in the process of doing my third. A guy who I have gotten in both of my first two. And this year, just just as a prelude, normally I know that three is not a lot, but I just wanted to wait until after the draft, until after the schedule came out this year. Just because, you know, last year I did a couple before the draft and before the schedule come out, and then I draft three quarterbacks and all of them have a week nine bye, and I'm like, oh geez, what what am I supposed to do now? This year I really, really love Duke Johnson, and he is free. I'm talking double-digit rounds. This is a guy who played just under half the Cleveland Browns snaps last year. Their only addition to the backfield this this offseason was a seventh-round pick in Matt Day's. Their offensive line got better. It was already solid. Their offensive line got better. I don't think this is a bad offense, and I'm actually willing to invest in the Browns offense simply because everybody outside of Isaiah Crowell is cheap. And I even like Crowell. I just think he's fairly priced around the fourth round. But Duke Johnson, 
10th, 11th, 12th round. This is a guy who caught over 50 passes last year. The reason he hasn't really come through for fantasy is because he only has three touchdowns in his career thus far. I think that's an issue because Crowell is still going to be the guy near the goal line. But Duke Johnson, especially in best ball, man, I'll take this guy all the time because he is so freaking cheap. I'll take him on any team. And same with Darren Sproles. Until Darren Sproles does not produce... I'm going to assume he's going to produce. And LeGarrette Blunt's not going to cut into Darren Sproles' role. So these are two PPR backs who I, I don't I don't want to say they're league winners. I think Johnson has more of a chance to be a league winner than Sproles. But these are guys that What are, if Kroll goes down? That could be huge. Exactly. The offensive line is great. I think Duke Johnson's a good runner. So, I mean, I think, I think Duke has significant... I think he has league-winning upside. I would bet on him not being that, but at the very least, I think he could be a nice flex for an offense that, all right, it might not be great, but I think it's ascending. This isn't like the Jets' offense here. Like, this is, I'd like this team. I am with you 100%. I actually wrote an article on uh, Isaiah Crowell this weekend, and it'll be going up later this week where I talk about that, about the price of Isaiah Crowell and the situation. And the Browns offensive line, if you don't know, the Browns offensive line is essentially one of the best in the NFL right now. It was good last year. Joel Batonio going down in, I think it was week five, really factored into it. So Isaiah Crowell is, for to me, is a mediocre talent behind a great offensive line, and it's going to be a better offense. They have a better defense, which in turn is going to lead to more rushing attempts. But don't forget, Duke Johnson, this time last year, was being drafted in the fifth round because people thought he was going to be the Isaiah Crowell. Don't forget that he was the leading rusher all time at Miami, which is not really a small school or anything like that. So I think Duke Johnson, I think Joe, you said it best. He could be a league winner, a a guy that you're getting in the 10th through the 12th round. I have taken him in quite a few MFL 10s, so I don't know if I'm in the leagues with you, but it's like, who's going to take him first? Because me, opportunity cost right now. He's going to be involved. Hugh Jackson wants to to run the ball a lot more. And I think Isaiah Crowell, in the end, talent wins. And Duke Johnson is better in the passing game. So it's just like, you know, if something does happen to Isaiah Crowell, as you mentioned, Bobby, I think that Duke Johnson walks in and he's like a borderline RB1 in PPR leagues. So yeah, definitely chance at a league winner. I've got Duke Johnson in all of my MFL 10s too. So you better hope you're not in a draft with me because I'm going to get him before you. Well, I, I've taken him twice thus far. In, and, and once again, I said I finished two of them. My, fir- my, my, um, my third MFL 10 is currently in like the seventh round. So it hasn't even gotten to Duke Johnson point yet. But I got him in the ninth round. And then I got him with the second to last pick of the 11th round. So, I mean, we're, we're talking free here. Yeah, that's an absolute steal. And you guys know how I feel about Crowell. Um, I'm not that impressed. And I think Duke Johnson's a better runner. Now, in terms of uh, touches, obviously Crowell's guy right now. But I love Duke Johnson's upside. I love his floor. And All right, so we're going to be taking a look at uh, the first two rounds today. And I mean, we're doing this for the full episode. So it's going to be an in-depth look. Uh, let's start with the first two picks. It's David Johnson or Le'Veon Bell. Which one of them do you guys like? Well, hold on a second. So before Joe, I'm going to have let Joe chime in here. But it's you said the first two, but... Funny you should say that because I looked at ADP this morning before we even started. Ezekiel Elliott's the number two pick in, the, in drafts right now in front of Le'Veon Bell, which is it's just nuts. And I, I'm going to tell you why, guys. As we're sitting right now, Ezekiel Elliott could be facing a six-game suspension. That that investigation is not over yet. Now, the NFL said there's no indication when it'll end, but that that is the biggest uncertainty at the top of drafts right now. And it might turn out Ezekiel Elliott doesn't get suspended, guys. But, I mean, are you going to take him over Le'Veon Bell or, God forbid, take him over David Johnson with that potential? Maybe even th- there might be a 20% chance that happens. Are you going to spend your top three pick on that? Nope. I'm not taking him over Jones or Beckham. 
What about Antonio Brown? Yeah, I mean, Antonio Brown or Beckham. I'm taking him over Jones, well, my that, bad. So here's the thing. like, So Ezekiel Elliott, a lot of people have kind of overlooked the fact that he's also lost two of his offensive linemen this, this offseason. Ron Leary went to the, the Broncos, and then he also lost, uh, was it Doug Free? Uh, now, granted, the offensive line is still going to be great because it's just what, what they have in place already. And then Lael Collins, he hasn't really shown you know flashes yet, but he's a guy that they're expecting big things out of. So, But Ezekiel Elliott losing two offensive linemen could change some of the content continuity of that offense they have a really tough schedule i when i saw he was number two over Le'Veon, i mean me personally i'm taking Le'Veon bell over david johnson in drafts right now and i know we're, we're we're nitpicking here and we're pulling hairs but that's what we do and if you have the number three i think if you're sitting there with the number three pick i think that's where you you have a decision because one and two are david johnson and Le'Veon bell when you get to number three, do you take Ezekiel Elliott or do you go with Antonio Brown? Me personally, it's Antonio Brown. Yeah, I'm not taking Elliott at this point. Now, if it turns out, maybe God knows the NFL likes to drop news at like that, like a snap of the fingers. And if it turns out that Ezekiel Elliott's fully cleared in this investigation, well then, sure. Then he's immediately entering my my number three conversation. But I'll tell you right now, if I have a pick and it's it's I have the third pick in the draft, and it's either Dave, David Johnson, Le'Veon Bell go one two as we all would expect. I'm taking Antonio Brown right now. I'm with you. Um, can we talk about the top two picks for a minute? Since we're spending time in the first two rounds, I want to get gauge your guys. Like Bobby, where are you at on David Johnson, Le'Veon Bell, and why would you take one over the other? This is what it comes down to. I think uh, the way that I like to look at things is. Imagine you simulate a thousand seasons. There's so many different outcomes that can happen, right? I think in those 1,000 seasons, Le'Veon Bell not only uh, leads David Johnson in PPR, but also in standard leagues in terms of average fantasy points. With that being said, I think in the median season, David Johnson has a better year because Le'Veon Bell just has a higher injury risk. We've seen it before, and David Johnson does have an injury risk. I mean, he's a running back that's going to be touching the ball 20, 25 times per game, and we see those guys go down at a clip at about 30% for four or more games. So there's a chance David Johnson gets hurt, but there's a pretty good chance Le'Veon Bell gets hurt. And because of that, I trust David Johnson a little bit more, even though Bell has substantially more upside, in my opinion. All right, Joe, who are you standing on the debate? I'm taking David Johnson. I mean, and the reason being now, we're talking about Le'Veon Bell, and you mentioned splitting hairs. This is the definition of splitting hairs, but I'm taking David Johnson. Now, as of now, the Cardinals don't have a back that I feel good about being able to handle significant number of touches were David Johnson to go down. But, I mean, what what do we care about? If David Johnson goes down at this point, I mean, you don't get his production anyway. So what I'm looking at is a running back in this backfield who is a threat to actually take a touch here and there from David Johnson, and I don't see it. I don't see it. Now, TJ Logan is a scat back who I liked, but I'm not terribly fond of, of him as a handcuff type. David Johnson right now is obviously their best runner in Arizona, I think you can make the argument he's their most dynamic receiver as well. And that makes him dangerous to me. I think he, he's he got a shot to do 1,000, 1,000. He almost did it last year. He was upset he didn't do it last year. Um, it, there was all the indications that the Cardinals were going to give him every shot in that Week 17 game before he went down with the injury to go for 1,000, 1,000. Um, I think he he's motivated this year. 
And though he, ironically, his season ended with an injury, his track record has been stronger than Le'Veon Bell's in that in that department. I'm splitting hairs here. I'd be happy with either guy, but I prefer David Johnson. Hey, Tex, I've got a question for you here. So in the first two rounds, I mean, usually if I've had one of these top three picks, I'm always trying to trade down. If you're in a league where you can trade down, just because I think the difference between number one and number five really isn't that much typically. Now, these two years, I mean, we've got Big Ben and Carson Palmer, who might retire after the year. So this is like the window. I think David Johnson and Le'Veon Bell are going to be used so much that they might be the one and two best running backs in the past 15 years. That's not hyperbole. I really think that these two might be the best. And so I'm wondering, if you're going to try to trade up, just how much would you be willing to give Tex? I don't really do many trades when it comes to redraft leagues to move up. Um, so for me, I mean, I always want the best player available and it's going to be tough to lure someone in to give me enough that I would want. I mean, I'd probably want their first two round picks. I'd probably want their first and second round pick in order for them to move up to number one or number two to get David Johnson or Le'Veon Bell. Uh, with that being said, nobody's going to pay that price because it's going to put them in a hole because they're going to end up with the first, the first pick. And then they're going to have what the end of the third round or something like that. So for me, I don't think it would happen, but that's what it would take for me. It would take at least the first and second round pick, uh, depending on where they're at in the round because if they're at the very end it might help because you know when you're at the 12 spot this year it's not exactly the worst thing which we'll talk about in a moment but I'm going to try and throw some shade at the whole David Johnson number one overall thing because David Johnson looking at him going through and dissecting his game logs last year he started the year really hot running the ball like as a pure running back he was averaging 5.03 yards per carry over the first six games the, the turning point that we saw with him was the Seattle game when they had him touch the ball 41 times. David Johnson started to break down a little bit. Now, I'm not saying that he like his overall numbers were really good, but he, he averaged just 3.7 yards per carry the rest of the season, which was and it was a large sample. We're talking about 180 carries here. Now, the area that he you know spiked was his receiving. Everybody knows that he had 614 receiving yards over the last 10 games, which is massive for a running back. We know that. But it was also the time Michael Floyd was really not playing at all. Larry Fitzgerald was doing his thing. But John Brown, this is when John Brown went down to about 20 percent or 20 snaps a game, which basically David Johnson is competing for targets with a 33 year old Larry Fitzgerald and J.J. Nelson. I mean, there's nobody on this team that was there for targets. With that being said. John Brown is one of my favorite. Like he is my guy this year. I'm locking my name to him. You mentioned Duke Johnson. If my, if I had to give one of mine, it would definitely be John Brown. I think people forget how good John Brown can be. What he was compared to uh, just a couple of years ago, people talked about a Marvin Harrison comparison. Uh, Bruce Arians has said major things about him in OTAs. But with that being said, his target numbers are going to go down. On the opposite end of the spectrum, we have Le'Veon Bell, who was the exact opposite. He got better as the year went on. In his first six games, he averaged 4.3 yards per carry. He went all the way up to 5.2 over the final six. And he did play the Giants. He played Baltimore in that span. So it wasn't like all easy games. He averaged 6.8 more PPR points per game over the final six games while seeing uh, it was 18 less targets than he did in the first six games. So it's just it's weird to kind of say this on a podcast without showing you like on a spreadsheet. But basically, Le'Veon Bell got better and better as the year went on. And this year, they went out and added Juju Smith-Schuster, Martavis Bryant. And some people will say that's going to take that's going to take some stats away. It's really not because what it's going to do is it's going to pull the a, a front. He's not going to see eight man fronts. It's just, it can't happen with the Steelers. You can't cover Antonio Brown in man to man coverage. It's just impossible to do. Martavis Bryant will flip the top off your defense. So 
Le'Veon Bell for me, I, I just think he's the better pick. I think he's a safer pick. I don't, I, I can't see regression with him, whereas David Johnson is a clear cut, like a prime candidate for regression because the Cardinals really had no other options in 2016. Yeah, I, I agree with all that except for the injury risk. That's the only difference for me. And uh, I think it's substantial enough that, that it flips it, but you're right. It's, uh, it's real close. Now, I think we all agree that Antonio Brown's the number one wide receiver, but what do you do with number two? We had Jake Seeley on last week, and he was saying Jordy Nelson. But for you guys, is it Julio Jones, Odell Beckham, maybe Mike Evans? Here's the thing. Um, Odell Beckham, I think a lot of people in the fantasy community like to almost mock the, 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 the media perception of Beckham as being kind of a problem child. but And, and for the most part, I kind of agree with that. But, I mean, isn't there at some point enough smoke where you can assume there's at least some bit of fire here with with Beckham? I mean, he keeps popping up in these things, and... I mean, and and, and here's the problem with Odell Beckham and his personality. It has been proven that defenders, that opposing teams can get in his head. We have seen that. Josh Norman is an expert at getting in Odell Beckham's head, and it's made him kind of inconsistent. And second of all, the big problem I have here, Eli Manning was awful last year. And and now now that people are like, oh, they're bringing in Brandon Marshall, is that going to make Eli Manning better? And now, I think the offense is going to be better. Brandon Marshall is going to be significantly better than the corpse of Victor Cruz. We know that. Um, they, bring in, they bring in Evan Ingram. But the biggest problem with Beckham, to me, is Eli Manning. So, of those three guys you just mentioned, Julio, Beckham, and Evans... I think Beckham by far has the worst quarterback situation. Mm-hmm. You're right. I, that makes sense. I also think he's the most talented, though. So that's why I have Beckham uh, number one. Julio. Julio is the most talented wide receiver in the NFL. But the thing with you think Julio so? I, is... I like, I like A.J. Green over Julio, too. Oh, that's see, I love A.J. Green, but that's, that's, that's one I'm not th- thrilled about going to. So here's two things about Julio, though, and this is where we really start splitting hairs. Number one. And I, and I mean this, uh, like, I don't, I'm not trying to call out Julio for being soft here. It's actually the exact opposite because Julio plays hurt all the time. How many times have you guys paid up for Julio in, in DFS for a week? He's got a glorious matchup and 10 plays into the game. He's hobbling off the field with a foot or an ankle or something like that. And then he's managing it the rest of the game. And therefore the rest of the season, he's been kind of annoying to have in that regard. I could make a pretty good argument that the ascending Mike Evans with now Deshaun Jackson and OJ Howard taking attention away from him might actually be the safest of these three to take. Now, I think if I had the choice, I'd probably take Julio on draft day. I'd take all of them happily. But could you make the argument that Mike Evans, because number one, he's frequently targeted in the red zone. So you know he's going to have uh, touchdown opportunities. Julio's been kind of down in that area. Uh, Julio's got the new offensive coordinator, Steve Sarkeesian, who's a complete unknown at the NFL level. Is he going to run just kind of a... Is he going to copy Kyle Shanahan's offense and maybe run a lower-rent version of it? I'm not really sure, but he's a complete unknown. Odell Beckham's got Eli. Evans, uh, for all things considered, probably is on an ascending offense with an ascending quarterback with one of the best can openers, uh, a guy like Deshaun Jackson who can take the top off the defense. On the other side of him, maybe Evans is the safest of these guys. I think you're right. I think he is the safest. I would argue, I mean, I would say... 
I would say Beckham may actually be the safest. And the reason I say that is because I'm not really concerned about Brandon Marshall. He showed signs last year. It it was kind of, I want to compare his situation to that of Andre Johnson, to that of Vincent Jackson, uh, both over the last couple of years. It's just you hit a certain age and you fall apart. Brandon Marshall was had one of the least efficient seasons of all time last year. And granted, he had bad quarterback play, but so did Odell Beckham. And Odell Beckham, we saw how he finished with bad Eli. I mean, it was one of Eli's worst seasons, but Odell Beckham was still able to finish where he did. With that being said, there's going to be some volatility because of all the options there. There's going to be some volatility with Mike Evans because of all the options there. Julio Jones, to me, is the clear one. You, you mentioned it that with the new OC out there in Atlanta. He actually did, I don't know if you heard it, Joe, he actually did an interview and he was talking about, he said, when you have a player like Julio Jones, you need to get him involved more in the end zone. He said, basically, if you're going to give us man-to-man coverage, we're going to Julio. And it's something that Jones I has like missed. I like that. Yeah, me too. And it, that, that, I mean, that's the thing. It, there's coach speaking, we know all that, but it's something that we've been wondering for a long time because it's not like Julio hasn't been efficient in the red zone. He's been really, he's been really good. <laughs> he's, I, I truly believe that he is the best wide receiver talent in the league. And and Bobby, I actually think that AJ Green is so underrated. I would actually say that he's a top three wide receiver. I'd say Julio Jones, Antonio Brown, and, and AJ Green are my top three. I do like Beckham. Don't get me wrong, but. Julio Jones, there's something special about him. You cannot cover the man one-on-one. Like, it's just impossible to do. And if they start involving him in the red zone, I think that's when we can see Julio Jones break records. Now, he's one of the fastest men on the planet, too. I mean, have you seen that video of him catching that ball in the end zone uh, in pregame? He is just an animal. He is. He's a a beast. And, I mean, Joe, you mentioned it. The health concern, that's where it comes in. But his schedule this year, too, I mean, we can't play scared, right? I usually tend to bet against the public on things like this. So, if you know, you're betting me that Julio Jones is going to get hurt. I'm going to bet that he's going to play 16 games. He plays the Saints, by the way, twice in the fantasy playoffs <laughs> in week 14 and week 16 with the Bucks in between. These are teams that he has demolished in the past. So for me, in, in a high scoring game, which I mean, they're probably going to stick a Dory Jackson on him, their new draft pick, but that is not going to stop Julio Jones. No, Again, it's not going to go well for a Dory Jackson. Honestly. No, it is not. <laughs> I will so, assume that. So for me, I'm going Julio. Just I mean, I want the ceiling. I know when he's in the feeling on the, on, the, on the field, he's a wide receiver one. Like we know that. Um, and but you are splitting hairs. But for me, I think Antonio Brown's clear cut, and then it gets to Julio Jones or Odell Beckham. And I think Mike Evans is slightly behind them, just with all of the options because. Mike Evans has been pretty much a volume wide receiver to this point in his career, where he relies on heavy, heavy, heavy targets, and you know we're trying to figure this out. They're saying good things about Chris Godwin. You know, OJ Howard, he was the most pro-ready tight end that we've ever seen. Then you got Cameron Braid, who had a breakout last year. You have Deshaun Jackson, who is a diva in his own right, and he wants his targets too, and rightfully so, because he's he's a guy that was brought in to make plays. So for me, Mike Evans, he's he's, he's still a solid first-round pick. I think people may have lowered him a little bit too much, but um, I think it's clear-cut the top three for me. Uh, I've got Brown, and then I've got uh, Beckham. And then I've got A.J. Green, Julio Jones, Mike Evans, and they're all really close. I have all those guys before the next running back. And I guess the point is, like, you can't make a wrong decision here. They're all really good. It's not like any of them are severely overrated. Did did you guys see what Brandon Marshall said about Odell Beckham the other day? He said he's the biggest superstar in the history of football. What What is that? Brandon Marshall just talking. That's just Brandon Marshall. Brandon Marshall's a good soundbite. He's a good soundbite. Yeah. And by the way, Brandon Marshall, he's probably one of those guys. I think the Giants would be thrilled if he caught like 55 passes for 800 yards and seven or eight touchdowns. I actually agree. I think it was a better football move for them than it was for fantasy. Like, I won't own any Brandon Marshall in fantasy this year, but I think it was a good football move. But now, Joe, I want to ask you, like, you're, you're around the NFL a lot. You talk about this like every day. 
So we're like, what are the Giants doing here? You know, with the with the their draft, what they did there, like. Is Sterling Shepard going to be pulled off the field now? Evan Ingram, they're talking about going to two tight end sets more often so they could have Ty on the field as a blocker, so they could have Ingram out there as a receiver. But if they do that, they're going to have to pull Sterling Shepard off the field. field. I think he's the big loser now. uh, I think everybody pre-draft mocked David Joku to the Giants simply because he played a little bit more in line, not to say he's refined as a blocker, but he played a little bit more in line in college and that everybody was assuming he'd be a better fit for the Giants because no team in the NFL played more three wide receiver sets than the Giants last year. Evan Ingram in college was essentially a big slot receiver. He's Jordan Matthews. Yeah. I mean, maybe even a, maybe even a, I think certainly more physical, certainly maybe a bigger mismatch, but that's essentially what he was in college. So, I think the big loser here is Sterling Shepard. I think I, I don't think there's any way you can get around that point. I'm not going to say he's going to play 10% of the snaps, but I would be surprised if Evan Ingram's able to come out and play 75-80% of their snaps if they're going to run a similar offense that they did last year. Because I don't think Evan Ingram is going... I think they are going to... Uh, defenses are going to exploit Evan Ingram if he's lining up on on the line of scrimmage. This still isn't a great offensive line. As a matter of fact, you, you could argue it's mediocre at best. And under pressure, Eli was atrocious last year. So I think if they want to put... In, I mean, and they drafted Ingram in the first round. So look at what they did this offseason. You bring in Brandon Marshall, you draft Evan Ingram. I mean, everything that they did suggests they are trying to gear up for Eli Manning for a last year or two, a run at a, at a championship or the playoffs or whatever you want to say. So I would think Evan Ingram is in their plans for this offense, uh, in their plans to try to boost up Eli. But if they're going to be using him in line, I think that might backfire on them. Ingram, Ingram's been obviously saying the things that you would expect him to say. Oh, I'm a way better blocker than everybody thinks. I, you know, I'm motivated by the fact that people think I'm not a good blocker and this and that. But when it comes down to nut cutting time, you're, you're going to have Evan Ingram in a one-on-one situation with a defensive end who's split out wide, who's lined up wide specifically to take advantage of that, what's the situation going to be? I think Evan Ingram is going to play more in the slot than he is going to play in line, at least early in the season, and that is a big detriment to Sterling Shepard's value. Now, Bobby, is it possible... Okay, I mentioned it earlier that that Andre Johnson, if you recall, he kind of had a slight decline with the Texans, but then he went to the Colts. Everybody said everybody said, "Oh, this is, you know, Andre Johnson's going to be a top 24 receiver." I think he was being drafted right around that wide receiver 18 to 20 range, and people were drafting him there thinking that it was going to happen. He fell off a cliff. It's just age caught up with him. He just wasn't the same receiver, and this was a guy that was better than Brandon Marshall for a long time. But now, but I mean, People weren't drafting Dante Moncrief then. Dante Moncrief is the guy who actually ultimately saw the touchdowns and that people thought Andre Johnson would have. So is it possible that Sterling Shepard is being a little bit undervalued and Brandon Marshall is being a little bit overvalued? Uh, I don't think so. I think Brandon Marshall is is being undervalued. I really do think so. I mean, you, you look at what he's done through his career, and he's the type of player, man, that I think he can continue to do this for another two or three years. You talk about the quarterback situation last year. I understand Eli Manning was bad. But he was nowhere near as bad as what the Jets had. Eli Manning had like three really bad games. Besides that, he was mediocre like Eli Manning's been his whole career. And I know people are going to fight me for saying that. But I think Eli Manning has been a mediocre quarterback. Nowhere close to Hall of Fame. But Brandon Marshall can play with that. I mean, Eli Manning is the same as what Jay Cutler has been his whole career. That's what Brandon Marshall got 100 plus receptions for four straight, five straight years, whatever it was. 
I don't think Brandon Marshall is going to get 100 receptions, but I do think he's going to get 60 plus this year. Well, if you look at Brandon Marshall, the last two of the last three seasons now, everybody knows the big breakout year he had with the Jets with with Ryan Fitzpatrick, the quarterback. We know that his quarterback was the same in 2016, and then it got a little bit worse as the year went on. But Brandon Marshall in two of the last three seasons has finished with fewer than 800 yards. His last season with the Bears, the reason the Bears got rid of him, I think the Bears felt like he was declining. He was injured an awful lot. He was dinged up a lot. And I just, I I would rather be gone. I, I, I would rather be gone. I don't want to wait an extra year because you could be wasting a pick on Brandon Marshall. The funny thing is there has only been two wide receivers in the last three years, or three wide receivers now, that have finished with more than 120 targets, but have finished outside the top 36 receivers. Those three receivers, Vincent Jackson, Andre Johnson, and Brandon Marshall. Yeah, I mean, you, you can pick and choose the stats of two out of three, but going into last year, every single season that he had 16 games started in his last four seasons, we're talking about 6,000 yards, But the thing is, we're not talking touchdowns. about a young Brandon Marshall. We're talking about a guy that's I'm not talking about a young old. Brandon Marshall either. I'm talking about someone in their late 20s who everyone thought, oh, he's going over the hill. I mean, think about him when he was 30 and he missed a couple games and he was banged up playing all season. Then he came back and everyone was like, well, he's done. He's over the hill now. He came back with 1,500 yards, 14 touchdowns. One of the top five wide receivers in football. I, I mean, you can say... He's banged up, he's over the hill, but we heard that narrative before, and then he came back with a vengeance. I'm not saying he's going to get 1,514, but I am saying he's going to get 60 receptions and near 1,000 yards. Uh, I don't think Brandon Marshall is either overvalued or undervalued. I'm looking at Fantasy Pro's ADP. He's the he's the late fifth-round pick, wide receiver 28. That seems like he's valued to me, guys. Just like, I think that's just kind of right. I think the fantasy players out there are smart. I think that's a solid spot for him. I think he's got the touchdown upside to be a nice number three fantasy receiver. I don't expect him to be a whole lot more than that. But I mean, at that spot, I can't really argue one way or the other for Brandon Marshall. Guys, let's move on to these uh, running backs. Um, You know, we've got right after Brandon, um, right after Brandon Marshall. We've got right after Odell Beckham, LaShawn McCoy going number seven in most drafts. Melvin Gordon also going in the top 10. Devontae Freeman, Jordan Howard rounding out the first round. And then DeMarco Murray, Jay Ajayi right behind them. How would you guys rank these running backs and how high would you take the best one? I like all those receivers that we meant that we talked about, like that pack of five receivers. I like them all better than all these running backs. So including AJ Green, including AJ Green. Now, McCoy, I think McCoy's got the role. I mean, he's got a good offensive line. He's got a run heavy offense. Um, but the injury problems the last couple of years are concerning. I really like his handcuff, Jonathan Williams, by the way. Um, he's somebody who I will draft even if I don't have McCoy because he's pretty cheap. Um, if I do have McCoy, I'll probably reach a round or two earlier to get Jonathan Williams. Um, I think he's probably the best bet of these. I'm concerned about Freeman as much as I like him and I am hashtag team Freeman. Uh, I think he's the better of their two backs. Not that I dislike Tevin Coleman. I just think he's the much better back. Um, I like Devontae Freeman, but I'm a little concerned about the offensive coordinator switch. Can Steve Sarkeesian be uh, use these guys as effectively and as efficiently as Kyle Shanahan did? That's a big question to me. Melvin Gordon, I think, to me, has the most questions of all these first round-ish, first, second round cusp running backs. But the problem is here, or or the thing that's really putting me in favor of drafting Melvin Gordon, is the competition behind him is non-existent. Kenneth Farrow, 
Brandon Oliver, man, Brandon Oliver, we saw his Achilles pop like a fruit roll up last year. I mean, what what is his what is his health situation going to be? And it's not like he was overly gifted in the first place. Solid back, uh, physical, who can catch the ball. But what's his physical situation going to be? They signed Kenyon Barner. They didn't draft anybody. So Melvin Gordon, to me, I mean, he has as good a shot as anybody, in my opinion, to lead the NFL in touches. And, and, and I know he averaged 3.9 yards a carry last year behind a bad offensive line, but he was really, really, really good as a receiver, and he was really good at the goal line. Why I'll would bet that you their offensive them? line will be top five in football this year. I'll I'm bet you. They added two I, great pieces. I think that's they, a little nuts, yeah, that's but, much, I mean, yeah. <laughs> but it's going to be better. It's going to be better. I mean, I, I will take Melvin Gordon at the back end of the first round all day long because I think you could make the argument. And now, at the end of the year, if you're telling me Melvin Gordon has more total touches than David Johnson and Le'Veon Bell, I'm not sure I'd be shocked. I'm, I won't project that, but I'm not sure I'd be shocked either. Yeah, so I'm Team Freeman as well, and I am a little concerned too. Like last year, I wasn't concerned. I know a lot of people were talking about Tevin Coleman, and I was I was all over Freeman. I loved him. I still love him as a player, but I am concerned, definitely, definitely. I think there's going to be some touchdown regression in the entire offense for the Atlanta Falcons. They were like the number one team in the red zone last year. So Devonta Freeman is a fantastic running back. But with that being said, Melvin Gordon, LaShawn McCoy, these these guys have unquestioned roles. Like they're if as long as they're healthy, they're on the field, and that's all that you can ask for from a running back. But when and I was going to ask you guys this question you know we're looking at the top two round ADP so I want you to take a scan through it right now and there's going to be a few of these guys that don't even finish anywhere close like they're going to be busts like legitimate busts we're not talking like Todd Gurley bust last year where he fi- he still finishes a top 18 running back we're talking about bust like they are not good and they're not going to be drafted in the top six rounds next year I think one of the bunch is Jordan Howard I think it's possible I'm not saying that Jordan Howard is going to be a bust but I'm saying that it's quite possible that everything just kind of played into his in, into his role last year. I mean, the Bears, we've talked about it before in the show, and the fact that his receiving is not up to par, the fact that he had five drops in a game last year, and that nobody else in the NFL has had that happen, I think, in the last 10 years as, at the running back position. So they've brought in receiving backs. Harrod Cohen, they brought him in. Benny Cunningham, they brought him in. Kadeem Carey's still on the roster. Jeremy Langford's still on there, st- trying to steal some goal line work. And John Fox is... Throughout his career, we've been worried about this with John Fox. He never wants to play one running back. So for me, it may have been by necessity last year that Jordan Howard got as much work as he did. And I think he's one that I'm really legitimately concerned about this season as as a first-round pick. Because right now he's being drafted as the number 12 player off the board, which is, as you guys know, the tail end of the first round. For me... I have no idea why Michael Thomas is still outside the first round. Uh, He's being drafted as number 16. I would take him over Jordan Howard, and I wouldn't even think twice about it. The Michael Thomas thing, I'm I'm really still trying to formulate where I stand on that debate because the Saints have never been a team that distributes a high volume of targets to one player. So when it comes to Thomas, I'm a little concerned in that regard. However, I kind of feel you on Jordan Howard now. This uh, uh, this comparison is merely statistical and almost, in, in a way, anecdotal. I started to get a little spooked that Jordan Howard might mirror the Jeremy Hill path, Ugh. where he blew up in the mm-hmm. second half of his rookie season, 
And then, and then things just got a little, a little wonky with him. And he was never the same player in terms of efficiency. He was never the same player. He was a good, people forget Jeremy Hill actually was pretty good as a receiver, as a rookie. J- Jordan Howard wasn't even that. Jordan Howard was pretty bad as a receiver, as a Awful. rookie. Yeah. Now, everything I, I, I've heard about Jordan Howard, everything I've read about him is that he's working his tail off. So I feel a little bit better about Howard being able to sustain that pace. But if we're talking running backs right now, talking breakout running backs from last year, I feel better about Jay Ajayi than I do Jordan Howard. Guys, I understand the concerns on Jordan Howard. I understand it. But when I watch the tape, Jordan Howard's a better running back than LaShawn McCoy. No. He's a better running back than Melvin Gordon. He's better. Get out of here. It's not a better situation. I understand. He's on Chicago. They're going to be playing from behind. They're going to be passing, taking him out of the game. He's not going to get anywhere near as many touches. But when you watch the tape, Jordan Howard's a beast. He is He's not really, Sean really good. He was really good. He was really good last he year. He was good. He was good. And I'm a Bears guy, Bobby. You know that. So I've seen every single bit of tape there is on Jordan Howard, but he's not even, he doesn't sniff LaShawn McCoy's you know what. He's better, man. He's better. And Ajay is better than all of them. But the, the issue is with Ajay. <laughs> no, I have him worse. I, I have Ajay worse than all these guys except for uh, DeMarco Murray. I've got him above DeMarco Murray. That's not even close for me. But, um, you know, when you watch Ajay, this is a legitimate superstar. I mean, this is the fourth best running back in the NFL. But his knee's going to fall off. So I'm scared to death drafting the first two rounds. <laughs> and the hype train is out on Ajay. And going back and watching, you know, I, I'll fully admit – when I first started thinking about rankings for this year without actually looking at what happened, without actually looking about at situation, without actually really going back and studying, J.H.I. was the guy I was most skeptical on because we're talking about a guy, half his production came in three games. He had three 200-yard games and he ran for 1,200 yards. So we're talking about a guy who had half of his work coming in three games, but the offensive line wasn't very good. And you have to look at the adversity that J.H.I. overcame last year. They were out on Jay Ajayi. They did everything in their power to try to replace this guy. They tried to sign C.J. Anderson. They signed him to an offer sheet that Denver matched. They brought in Arian Foster. They drafted Kenyon Drake in the third round. Jay Ajayi was a healthy scratch in their first game, and he overcame all of that and ran for 1,200 yards. So I'm talking about a guy who clearly got the message and became the focal point of their offense. I think this offense could be a little bit better, a little more efficient. You hope the offensive line improves a little bit. That's a big concern for me. But I think Jay Ajayi and all the talk about him, oh, they want him to improve as a receiver. This is a guy who I can't talk I can't remember the last guy who was as solid as Ajayi was as a college receiver where that hasn't translated to the NFL at the running back position. Normally it's the other way around. Uh, I think Ajayi has a little bit more in him as a receiver than he's shown thus far. And I'm not saying he's going to split out wide and beat linebackers and safeties like David Johnson does. But just as a guy who could be an effective check down option, I think that's there for him. And we're and we're still not really sure who the top early down handcuff for Jay Ajayi is. I would think Kenyon Drake's going to get more third down work this year. But Damian Williams, I believe, hasn't signed his RFA, uh, RFA tender yet. So he's not even officially on this roster at this point so I think Jay Ajayi's got a good shot for volume work and he overcame a really tough situation last year and turned himself into a guy that the coaching staff couldn't deny 
Yeah, I have no issues with Jay Ajayi. Um, in terms of redraft, if you're in Dynasty, I think it's it's a, it's a sell-high point for Jay Ajayi because if you remember, the knock on him coming into the draft is that in a couple years, his his knees are like bone-on-bone bone, where it's going to uh, eventually to the point where he may not be able to walk because his knees are that bad. So, But in redraft, though, there there is some concern. I think that's built into his ADP going in the second round. But I want to go back to that question, though, guys. is like looking at the top 24 players like we are. I know we all have the ADP pulled up. I want you to give me two players that you would call out as busts. I, I, I gave you mine. One, I would say Jordan Howard. I think the second one I would say, and I don't want to say he's going to completely fall off, but I would say it's DeMarco Murray uh, because he's got a guy. It's DeMarco Murray. Yeah, I, there's a guy running his tail. Yeah. I was going to say Murray, and I'm going to say Michael Thomas. Oh, wow. Yeah. Be Only because I'm I, that, that Saint receiver, when people get excited enough to take a Saint receiver close to the first round, he always seems to disappoint. And I, like Brandon Cooks. Now, Cooks is obviously a very good player, and 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 projecting him in New in, in New England. Well, that's an entire other podcast. We can that's a debate <laughs> you can have for yeah. three hours. But um, I I'm a little bit concerned about the target volume for Michael Thomas, and I know you guys just as well as I do. We in the fantasy industry we really hate Sean Payton <laughs> because you know Michael Thomas will have a great matchup, everything will line up on paper, and Sean Payton will draw up 15 plays for Deputy U.S. Marshal Tommy Lee Lewis. And you you know how that works. You know how that works. Well, Michael, Th- he didn't even get that many targets though last year. I mean, we're talking like what was it like 120 some targets? And for now Michael he's going to be getting doubled and triple teamed because Brandon Cook's not there. Well, that's the thing. I don't necessarily agree with that. I think that the Saints are smart enough to. To, to make mismatches with Michael Thomas. But the thing is, is people misdrafting Brandon Cooks as a first-round pick. That was on them because Brandon Cooks, I'll continue to say it, he is not a number one receiver. You do not want him as your number one possession-style receiver. Michael Thomas fits that mold. And as long as you're playing with Drew Brees, it's like, think about it. Bobby, if we go back to the Jimmy Graham days, everybody knew Jimmy Graham was getting the ball, but the Saints were able to form a game plan to still get him the ball and make him, you know, compete with Rob Gronkowski to be the... So it's just, I think that Sean Payton is one of the, the masterminds to an offense. I don't think there's too many of them. Kyle Shanahan, he's one of them. But Sean Payton is a mastermind with an offense. And Drew Brees, as long as you have Drew Brees throwing you the ball, I'm comfortable taking his number one possession style receiver in the top two rounds. And for me, Michael Thomas belongs in that conversation when you're talking about Devonta Freeman, LaShawn McCoy, right in that range. Yeah. Uh, For me, the other guy uh, that I think could fall out and be drafted in the seventh, eighth round this year is uh, next year is Lamar Miller. Yeah, yeah. I mean, oh, Lamar that's... Miller right now is going number twenty-one, and um, no, thank you, know, you. He was big time disappointed. There's no way I'm touching him in the first I, two rounds know, this he year. Was fine last year, like, but f- do you want to take a guy who was fine in the first two rounds? I sure as heck don't. No way I'm taking no, that. That is a guy who I'm not even sure where I'd be comfortable drafting him because I'm not taking him in the third round either. I'm. He's just going to be one of those guys. His ADP would have to plummet for me to even consider him. Now, I wasn't a big Deontay Foreman fan, but the Texans drafted him in the third round. Mm-hmm. So, I do not like Foreman. Uh, like, I just thought Foreman was one of the most boring. For a guy who ran for 2,000 yards, I thought he was boring. He just ran through huge holes. But the Texans took him in the third round, and it's not like Miller was great last year. Right. And by the way, over the last three years, Alfred Blues averaged nearly 150 carries a season. So there is a big role here for De- Deontay Foreman to eat into Lamar Miller's workload. You're right. There, there's a guy I'm not touching in the first three rounds, and he's going to get drafted in those rounds, so I'm just not going to have him. 
Yeah. And the other obvious ones, Amari What's, Cooper. Oh, God, stop it. I'm just messing um, no, with no, you. No, <laughs> no, hold on. Right now, I, this is mind-numbing to me. Like, I, I honestly just got down to number 24. I didn't, I don't know how I didn't pick this out before. Marshawn Lynch is being drafted at number 24 right now on Fantasy Football Calculator, where, where I think we that's where we pull our ADP from. Number 24, Marshawn Lynch. Can you guys explain this to me, why he's going at number 24? Yeah, because his name, because his name is Marshawn Lynch. Now... That's interesting to me because I haven't really seen him drafted before the fourth in any of the drafts I've done right now. In the MFL 10s, right. I haven't seen those either, but yeah. And in those in that league, it's, it's one of those things. Now, when Marshawn first signed with Oakland, I was right there with you. I'm like, this guy's going to get way overvalued. But if he's going to consistently go in the fourth round, I'm, I'm when more data comes out, I'm interested to see where his ADP really falls because I agree with you. If he's going late second, early third, Way too early for me because we, is there any precedent for this? A guy who took a year off, who wasn't injured and comes back. I guess Ricky Williams is probably the closest. Mm-hmm. Well, that's the thing. So we're talking. So MFL 10s, as you know, Joe, it's like the Sharps. OK, these are the guys that like, there is no football offseason. So that's why I think Marshawn Lynch is falling in those. But if you look, so I'm looking at this and you're able to move the date and I have it from the last month, May 12th through June 12th. The lowest that Marshawn Lynch, like the, the latest that he's lasted is 3.05. That's too early. That's nuts. That is nuts. too early. But I mean, it is. You look at Latavius Murray last year, and this is why people are excited about Marshawn. Latavius Murray, I mean, if you watch him, wasn't very good last year. It was bad. But he scored, but he scored 12 touchdowns, um, and he did that while playing just about half the offensive snaps. I think Marshawn Lynch's corpse could to, could do a fine <laughs> Latavius Murray impression. And if you drafted Latavius Murray last year, I mean, I don't think you were disappointed with him. I mean, he got he got he caught enough passes. He scored twelve touchdowns. It, he wasn't great, and I mean, I think Richard and Washington probably did a little bit more than you might have anticipated, especially in the efficiency department. Go look at the numbers for Jalen Richard and DeAndre Washington and how efficient those guys were. But I think Marshawn, at the very least, is going to be a goal line guy. If he's in the fourth round, I'm totally cool with that. I think he's valued correctly. But it, 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 if once the general public starts creeping into drafts and he starts going in the second and third then i'm out yeah well no i understand like wanting to like him if i was guaranteed 16 games for lynch behind that offensive line yeah i would draft lynch in the third round i have no issue with that but the problem guys is this guy's coming back he hasn't played in a year and a half he wasn't rehabbing an injury or anything like that he was traveling around the world having a good time I think you mentioned at the top of the show, your guy, Duke Johnson. I think we could have a comparable situation. DeAndre Washington is a guy that they drafted semi-high last year. I think he was it was fourth-round pick, I want to say. Fourth and or he fifth was, round, yeah. Yeah, he was someone that people expected to to do well on that team. And I don't think that he was necessarily bad last year. I think it was just they they, they shared the responsibilities. Richard uh, was was uh, he, he was kind of a lightning in a bottle. They do, right. The, the, now, assume, I think people were right and wrong about DeAndre Washington. They were wrong because he didn't really produce for fantasy but they were right in terms of there was a sizable role here we just didn't expect the udfa to come in and take half that role exactly right and that's thing so but that's what i'm saying so if let's pretend that something happens to lynch who steps in and who takes that i think it's washington's role i agree uh, he was a, he's a better interior runner. I think Richard is more a Tevin Coleman type. He's yes, probably better yes. if you have him with 8 to 10, 8 to 12 touches per game. I think Washington, even though he's small, he's uh he's got uh, he's got a little bit he's low to the ground Solid so build. I think yeah. he can handle the workload. 
I agree. I, I think that he's like, if you play in a, a league that's, I mean, I'm not saying, I'm not advocating taking him as like a top 40 running back or anything like that, but taking him with your last pick or something like that. And if you're playing in a league with deeper, deeper rosters, or if you're in a dynasty league right now and you're listening, DeAndre Washington is essentially free right now. So if you can go out and get him, it might just turn into a Duke Johnson situation. Yeah, I think that's fair to say. So so guys, we've got all these running backs that we talked about with Melvin Gordon, Jordan Howard, DeMarco Murray, Jay Ajayi, and then all the, the first class wide receivers we talked about. Let's say all those guys are gone. You're sitting at pick 16 and the players available, Des Bryant, T.Y. Hilton, Todd Gurley, Fournette, Lamar Miller, Amari Cooper, Baldwin, Gronk, or even DeAndre Hopkins. Which of these guys do you most want? That's easy for me. It's T.Y. Hilton. Okay. I, I have taken T.Y. Hilton in the first round of MFL 10s. Back end, but that's a little high for me, but I can't say I blame you. But in an MFL 10, it really makes sense to me because he's going to blow up. But now Hilton, Hilton is the guy I like the most of those two and of that group. And I'll be honest, the guy I like second most is Doug Baldwin. I can't blame you. I mean, I like Doug Baldwin quite a bit, too. Um, it's just so tight there. I, there's no way I'm touching Todd Gurley. I don't want Des Bryant with all the injury issues. For me, Gronk edges them all out just a little bit because if he is healthy, I mean, think about it. He was being drafted number six a couple years ago because they thought, well, he might be healthy, but if he is healthy, he's a superstar. And it's still the same. I mean, he's still young enough that he can still be a top five fantasy player in this league. So I'm taking my chances there. I like Gronk a little bit higher than those guys. T.Y. Hilton's number two of the group. T.Y. Hilton, yeah. Not many people know that he led the NFL in receiving yards last year, and that was with a, a bum shoulder for Andrew Luck. Luck coming back. I know we're expecting big things out of Moncrief, but I think that there's room in this offense for both of them to succeed. Uh, so I'm, I like I like Hilton. I like Des Bryant an awful lot, but I like him as a player. I am really, 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 really concerned about his schedule because the Cowboys did not go out and get someone else to play opposite him on the field. So therefore, he is going to receive all of the attention. And no, <laughs> they do not have Sean Payton as their offensive coordinator. They're not going to make ways for Des Bryant to do it. If you look at his numbers against Josh Norman, if you look at his numbers against the New York Giants the last couple of years, Des Bryant really, really struggles. And I, I could I can explain why, but that, that you know, we're here to talk about fantasy. But Bobby, I wanted to ask you, I know that you like Gurley's talent, but you just, just you just said you wouldn't touch Todd Gurley. What makes Todd Gurley any different than Jordan Howard? Uh well, Jared Goff. Their offensive line. Mike I mean, Glennon, I know they Mike Glennon. Their offensive line. Oh, oh, I would take Mike Glennon. I would take Mike Glennon over for Jared Goff. No, yeah, I would Say what you want about Glennon. I'm taking him over Goff right now. I, I mean, actually, I, I it's Glennon not has even shown, close. Glennon in his brief time in the NFL might not be great, but he has shown a level of competence that Jared Goff has not shown. Yeah, I mean, Jared Goff is like tripping over himself. Like he's scared to death back there. I think Jared Goff is going to surprise you guys. He has nobody to pass to. I think Goff is going to say, I'm not going to say he's going to be the superstar everybody thought he was going to be a year ago, but I'm saying that Jared Goff is going to surprise some people this year if he finishes in the top 25 i will buy you pizza there's no chance Wait, top 25 quarterback yeah i'll bet on that i am rooting for Gurley, but i mean god I, here's the difference jordan howard hasn't had a bad nfl season todd Gurley has <laughs> now now you can say you can say jordan howard's rookie year resembled todd Gurley's. you might be right about that um and that's why everybody would there's people drafting Gurley at number one overall last year but I mean, it's it's uh, this Ram offense. I believe in Sean McVay, and yeah, for, that's for that's Jared, exactly yes for Jared Goff's to his I guess his credit. I mean, Jeff Fisher and Rob Boris has to be maybe the worst situation a young quarterback can come <laughs> and into. In the middle in of the, the season, too, in your rookie se- in the middle of your rookie season when you are not at all ready. Yeah, I'm with you. But I- I'll tell you right now, 
This might be nuts to you guys. Straight up, I'll take Leonard Fournette over Todd Gurley and redraft. I love Leonard Fournette. Uh, Fournette is like, I think he's yeah, Adrian me too. I, it's talent. not crazy at all. No, it's not crazy. I would do that in a heartbeat. I love Fournette. Uh, guys, I got one more question for you, okay? Let's say you're sitting at the turn at 24-25. Which player that we haven't really talked about would you maybe be willing to reach on to grab at the turn? Uh, we haven't talked about Fournette. He would be one I'd grab there. Yeah, I mean, I, if he's there, I think he's pretty obvious, but he's inside the first two rounds in terms of ADP and ECR. Um, I've already mentioned him, but if I have the first or second pick uh, in a draft and I and I snatch up Johnson or Le'Veon Bell, I want Doug Baldwin at the turn. Yeah, Baldwin. Yeah, yeah that's me that, too. That's easy money right there. Like, I love Doug Baldwin, too. Um, I think another player who I mean, we didn't talk about Amari Cooper, but I, I think he's gone by that point. Uh, in most drafts, but Doug Baldwin, I think that's the best call. And if you want a running back uh, outside the top, you know, 10 running backs being drafted, I, I'd say Carlos Hyde. My, oh, <laughs> I am scared to death of Carlos Hyde. Wow. Oh boy. Oh yeah. That, that's killing me. I want to ask you about that. Um, my ideal start from number one is David Johnson, Leonard Fournette and Doug Baldwin. That's my ideal start. Um, but I want to ask you about, Carlos Hyde because I don't see it I'm I am scared to freaking death what's your rationale there so I wrote an article on it I wrote a player profile on Carlos Hyde and talking about that and how everybody's kind of talking about Joe Williams and the scheme that they're bringing in there and uh, this is something Shanahan talked about before the draft even happened he said that people overrate scheme all the time he's like Devonta Freeman would have been a good running back no matter the system because he's a really good running back he said he loved Carlos Hyde in college that he's done some good things in the NFL and that they haven't truly tapped into his potential Joe Williams is a guy that was projected to be drafted in the sixth or seventh round so he for me people were excited about Tevin Coleman when he came to the Falcons but Kyle Shanahan finds talent he knows what talent is and Carlos Hyde is the superior running back there's no way in hell you can convince me that Joe Williams is a better running back with that being said too last year Carlos Hyde was on probably the worst NFL team I think that we can all agree that the 49ers they may have been worse than the Rams the Jets I mean they they were just an awful awful NFL team the Browns have shown signs that they're getting better but um, despite all of that he was he he managed to finish. I think he finished as a top, a top eight running back in terms of points per game. Uh, he did that with with playing Gabbard at quarterback. He he was he showed hands in the passing game. As the year went on, he actually got better and better as a receiver. He's coming into this year fully healthy. There is no issues with him. Uh, and Shanahan, we've seen what he does for running games. So you know he's going to to boost that. And I'm not saying that Joe Williams can't have a role, but Joe Williams really isn't a receiver. So. For me, I think it's possible that we see Tim Hightower maybe get cut because they drafted Joe Williams and, you know, they bring in a pass catching running back. I I heard Travaris Cadet is uh, on the trade block right now. That could be someone that could be brought in. But for me, the talent gap and with with Shanahan, I, I, I actually put the quote in my article, what Shanahan said, and it just basically points to say all the people that are talking about Joe Williams right now. They have no idea what Kyle Shanahan thinks because Kyle Shanahan thinks scheme is overrated. He is going to make his, he's going to build his scheme around his player. Yep, agreed, 100% agree. So, guys, at the turn, I, I'm looking at the running backs, and you know, if I can get Fournette, great. But after Fournette, my running back number 12 is Joe Mixon, and he's going down there around 45 for his ADP. So I'm <laughs> not taking a running back there. Once people see him in the preseason. Yeah, I think you're probably right. So I like Gronk if he's there. Otherwise, I'm taking DeAndre Hopkins, and I'm reaching for Sammy Watkins. You, know, you guys know Watkins. how I feel about Sammy Watkins. Yeah. And I don't hate I understand that. his I ADP's, don't. Yeah, his ADP is way down there, but he's so good. I don't want to take a chance of not getting him. 
We're, we're talking about a team here. I mean, look at the, the reason you might like Watkins is there's very little competition for targets right now. Yeah. See, I think Zay Jones helps out Watkins a ton. He's the perfect type of player to help out Watkins. And I think Zay Jones, though, has Jordan Matthews in him. So I think he can move into the slot. Yeah, and- good point. Man, that'd be nice. That'd be nice for the Buffalo Bills offense to finally score like more than one touchdown a game. All right, guys. Well, that's all the time we have for today's show. Joe, it was a blast having you on. Um, Wish we could have talked for like three hours because there was so much more that could have been said. But uh, looking forward to chatting with you next time. Hey, Bobby and Tags, I had a fantastic time. Thanks for having me on. It's our pleasure. Take care. And for those of you listening at home, we've got another show coming up next week. So if you haven't already, subscribe on iTunes, review us, and then you can enter for that T.Y. Hilton blue jersey giveaway sweepstakes. For Mike Tagliere, I'm Bobby Sylvester. Thanks for listening and enjoy your football. I just wanted you to watch me dissolve